This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Cecilia Wagle talks about mind and body connections. the two connect to give us a picture of ourselves? Where does the soul lie? Well, let's find out. Cecilia is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Kelly Roper. Cecilia Wagle and talk about mind-body connections and human nature. So by introduction, um, Cecilia Wagle um, has a bachelor's degree in philosophy from Fort Hayes State University and a master's degree in theology from the University of Dallas. She previously taught high school theology, but now is staying at home to raise her children. Welcome. Thank you. Can you lead us in a prayer for this uh, next segment? Well, I need it. Uh, I need it. Ah, uh, so awesome. I'm happy to lead that. All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, come into my heart and into the hearts and minds of all who are listening. Direct my words, direct my lips, that I may speak the words you want me to speak and direct the ears and the thoughts of the people who hear me, that every good thing may be learned from this talk, and that every good thing given. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, so what an interesting topic that we have here in front of us. Um, Mind-body connections and human nature. So most Catholics know that humans have a mind and a body. So what is it that that we're missing here? Um, All of us lay people that that don't have all the information help us to, to make that connection, make that connection between mind and body and human nature. Well, what most people are missing is the oneness of our soul and our body. Mm. You know, um, mind is a modern word, really a kind of a psychology word. And it's really talking about one of the powers of the soul. Right? So we have our body, a physical body, and then our soul, which does, which innervates our body, which is what gives us, um, makes us move and live and reason and, and emote and all of those things are powers of the soul. Right. And what we're missing often right now is that they're both fully us. The mind and, well, mind is a short or the soul. I really mean the soul. People talk about mind and body. That's why we're used to talking about it that way. But the soul and the body, they're one and they're both truly us. There's an idea out there that, well, we will see actually all three versions. I want to talk about each one kind of in depth, where people, one, think that we're just a body, and there's no soul, it's just neurons firing create these, this illusion of consciousness, right? And then there's an idea that we're really just a soul inhabiting this shell of a body, and the soul is what's real, and everything else is kind of a, a cheap, <laughs> temporary thrill, right, the thing we use. And, and the third idea is that is harmful is that there is a mind or soul, a soul and a body, but that they really don't interact, right? That they, they really aren't part of a one whole, that there's like the soul side and the body side and they both do their whole little things. So this 
well, heresy. It's a form of heresy, right? Because it's a denial of the truths of the faith and of who we are. It's it's harmful, and we don't even realize it's harming us. It sneaks into uh, the way we think. And I would say for most modern people, if you've never caught yourself thinking incorrectly about the union of your soul and your body, it's because you're not thinking about it. Because it's so common, we pick it up without realizing it. Even if we don't think we are, even if we don't want to, it's just, it's out there. It's the way the world relates to us. And it's hard not to fall into that way of thinking. So to begin, we'll talk about, you know, the emphasis only on the body, right? Kind of a physicalism or, you know, some psychological um, theories like behaviorism fall into this. And for most Catholics, most people probably listening to this program, they believe in the soul. So they're saying, well, I don't believe there's only a body. You know, this is more of a, a atheistic uh, trap. And, and that's true in its most serious forms. You know, that's true for the scientist who, and not all scientists, of course, there's lots of good um, Christian scientists, but it's true for the scientist who's denying that God had any part of creation or denying that there's anything other than any real consciousness or morality. But there's a version of this that even Christians and Catholics can fall into, which I kind of call forgetfulness, where we act as though we're only a body. So our mind may say, oh, I believe there's a soul. I believe there's something else. You know, our, our words may say that. But we don't follow it up with our actions. And you know, action is always the test of belief. If we believed it deeply, we would act on it. And again, there's, there's extremes and, you know, it's a spectrum on this. The, you know, one extreme would be maybe more associated with a younger person who you know, goes and lives life large and doesn't care about the consequences, isn't concerned with the threat of hell or, you know, anything like that, right? That'd be, again, more of a forgetful. They tend to maybe think they have more time or you know, that kind of thing. But there's also just the people who are concerned about their bodily health and concerned about their bodily appearance and concerned about their financial health and their social standing and all these things that are physical in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And they spend time, they spend so much time feeding that and maintaining that and working on that. And not that any of those things are inherently wrong because they are us, right? But they do it to the without spending any time feeding their soul, without spending any time um, considering the other side, right? And it's and so that forgetfulness, living almost as though they are robots, living as though they're just a body without a soul, right? And this can kind of a subversion of this could include just placing the body above the soul, right? So. Maybe they do feed their soul a little bit, but when it come when push comes to shove, when it comes to um, what their you know what their priorities really are, 
maybe they're going to make sure they work out twice a week, but they're not going to make sure they get to mass once a week, mm -hmm. right? Or, and, and there's, we should talk about this now because they're going to keep coming up. When I say feeding the soul, it doesn't only mean churchy things. It does mean that. Of course, the greatest and most um, nutritious, I don't know if that's the word I want, um, effective food for our soul is the Eucharist, mm -hmm. right? And the Mass and all those things. That's the greatest way to feed our soul. But our soul is fed in other ways, too. Our soul is fed by relationships, by by love, you know, in, in all its forms, friendship and and romantic love and primarily love of God, relationship with God, so through prayer and things like that, communion with people. It's also fed through the transcendentals, through the good, the true, the beautiful, right? Through experiences of beauty and truth, goodness. Those are soul feeding. And so it's not just, oh, have you gone to church? which is another portion of this heresy that it's easy for people to fall into. Oh, I feed my soul Sunday morning, but that's an anemic soul, right? And if we only fed our bodies once a week, that wouldn't be enough, right? That would, well, I mean, I guess you might survive, but it wouldn't be a way to flourish. Yeah. It would be a, you'd be a poor caretaker, right? right. And so the first side is, Forgetting that we have, forgetting we have a soul, acting like we don't have a soul, neglecting the soul. Now the other, um, the other extreme then is focusing on the soul to the detriment of the body. You know, historically the heresy of Gnosticism, which crops up all the time. I mean, it keeps coming up in church history. You know, like, well... Then there were Gnostics in the second century. There were Gnostics in the third century. There were, right, all the way up through the Middle Ages into today, because it's a, um, because it's an easy way to think. It's very uh, attractive to think that it's only your soul that matters, and that the body is really. Some versions say an illusion. Some versions say you know just even bad, evil, unimportant. You know, there's various forms, but that it's only your soul. And it, it sounds so like heady and intellectual. People love that, where it's just like spiritualism and just me and God and nothing else matters. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what I say. It's not about these things I, these actions I perform. It's just me and God, right? That's a version of Gnosticism. That's a version of, of it all being about the spiritual world. But that's not people. Again, we are, the technical word is hylomorphic. We are soul-body union. We're one. Mm. And so to act like religion, or even just ourselves, is only a spiritual thing, is ironically spiritually damaging. <laughs> and it's because it's a... Um, it's an anemic form of who we are. It's not feeding our whole person again. It's not a true acknowledgement of ourselves. And you see this, um, of course, there's extreme versions. There's the actual religion versions. And a, a lot of Eastern religions are based sort of in this, especially maybe Hinduism, where they would say that the world is an illusion. It's Maya. It's only this soul thing that continues from 
um, reincarnation to reincarnation. And again, a lot of our listeners are probably not into that. But they might be into the versions where they think, well, as long as my intentions are good, then the fact that I did this kind of bad thing didn't really matter. Um, we, again, the more extreme versions of this are in areas of sexual ethics, where people say things like, well, as long as everyone was happy, as long as it was two consenting adults, as long as we convinced ourselves in our heads, and that's all that matters. It's really only what we say in our minds that matters. But it's not true. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it does affect our soul because our bodies and our souls are one. And you can't run away from that. The things, it's, it's possible to tell a lie with our body as easily as it's possible to tell a lie with our words, right? Mm -hmm. And we tell that lie to our own souls, but our souls don't buy it. Mm -hmm. So, and, and of course, not just that, but how many times it's very easy to convince ourselves that, well, you know, I had good intentions, I'm gonna rationalize this. Whether it's telling yourself that you really love someone but you're not treating them right or whether it's telling yourself that you're super honest, but you tell a white lie here and there, right? I mean, again, action is the test of belief. And so that idea that what we're actually doing, our actual actions aren't as important as as what we tell ourselves, as the things going on in our mind, that is a subtle form of Gnosticism. It's a subtle heresy that it's easy to fall into. And it's easy because it's cheap. It's cheap and easy, right? Like there's, it's harder to be honest with ourselves that, um, that when we sin with our bodies, it's us that sin. And when we do evil with our bodies, even if our mind is, is um, not all the way into that, in a certain sense, that it's still us. It's us. Yeah. Right. We are the person. We're not the one person who think we're not a person trapped inside our body. Yeah. Right. We're not a ghost in the shell. That's a, it's actually the name of an anime, but it's, it's taken from a philosopher, right? This idea that it's, we are, we are a spirit that just inhabits a shell, right? Like we're not that we're not there. Well, I'm talking about the ways that we can delude ourselves into thinking that only our souls matter and not our bodies, right? Yes. And, and so when we do that, what is the, what is the remedy? You know, how do we get past that? And fortunately, that's really built into Catholicism. Mm. You know, I think, well, I imagine God knows that this is a very easy trap for humans to fall into. Yeah. Right? Because, again, it's, it's intellectual. It sounds heady. It makes us feel like, oh, well, it's all in my mind, and I'm so smart, and it doesn't matter, these, these little things down below. right? And so yeah. both our pride, our vanity, and that it's, in many cases, lets us get away with things. Yeah. right? It's, so it's an easy trap to fall into. But really, all of our faith is designed is given to us um, and de- but seems designed to combat this things like the sacraments which are physical which are using the materials of the earth and often using our bodies right to give grace and there's no other way to do it you can't get sacramental grace through just 
asking God in your mind. I mean, he, you can get grace that way as a gift from God, right? But not sacramental grace. Mm. And even entering into the church, baptism is a physical thing where your body must be anointed, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, then we think about the incarnation. This is in early Christian Gnosticism. This is uh, this was very controversial because, understandably, a lot of people had trouble believing that God really became a man, really took on human nature, body and soul. You know, that's why we talk about body, soul, and divinity, because divinity, that's the godness, mm-hmm. right? But he became a full human, including a human soul and a human body. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just, again, God inhabiting a human body shell. Yeah. And his body rose. So even in heaven, even in eternity, he is fully human. Right? God entered into time and never leaves it. Yeah. He didn't just enter into time for a time. Right? He took on the full humanity, which includes the resurrected body mm. for it, that's eternal. Right? And again, that's part of our belief. That's what we say in the creed, right? The resurrection of the body. We don't just mean Christ's body resurrected. We mean that we believe that at the end of time, we will receive resurrected bodies. And, and it makes sense. We, we have to to be whole, right? Mm-hmm. Because when we die and our soul is separated from our bodies, you know, that's, that is... That is an impediment, right? Like that, that is a separation of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not just our soul being freed from the body. People talk like that at funerals sometimes. It bothers me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I understand that often, you know, people who have passed away, their bodies at the end were, were not very good at expressing their souls, mm-hmm. right? Because they were broken in some way. And we believe our resurrected bodies will be good at expressing our souls. Yeah. Right. And so I understand that sentiment that they're glad they're not suffering. But it's not exactly that we're freed from our bodies because that's us. That's us. And until the final judgment when we receive our resurrected bodies, we're lacking something. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's why Christ will give us resurrected bodies yeah. to make us whole. And he, that's why he will redeem creation. Mm-hmm. Right. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Mm. Right. Mm. And so all of, you know, this this easiest trap, this easiest heresy to fall into is the one most at odds with Catholic teaching, most at odds with Christ's teaching. Right. Because every part of Catholicism is affirming the body is good. You are a body. You will be a body forever. Right. You will be yourself will last forever as body, right? As body-soul union. Mm -hmm. Jesus has body-soul union, right? Jesus was not just inhabiting a shell, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so living the life of the church, meditating on those mysteries, you know, that's a first step. Um, And then I would say a second step is um, doing, of course, doing the um, corporal works of mercy. Mm. You know, that's respecting the bodies of others, right? And so also respecting your own body, respecting the bodies of humanity. So the corporal works of mercy, let's see if I can remember them all. Mm. I knew them in grade school. (laughs) 
you might have to help me. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, give drink to the thirsty, give shelter to the homeless. Visit the imprisoned. Visit the sick and imprisoned, bury the dead. Oh, I'm missing one. Mm. Darn it. I should have looked this up before I came in. That's okay. Well, somebody out there knows, you know. <laughs> yeah, call us and let us know what that yes, one is. Yes, yes. I'm just blanking on it. But doing those things, acting on the goodness of the body. And I should have said this earlier. The way to fight the other one, you know, the, the physicalism where it's so easy to fall into the trap of just thinking of ourselves as body and ignoring the needs of the soul is to do the spiritual works of mercy. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. recognizing and serving the souls of others helps us see our own soul, helps us recognize that in humanity and then in ourselves. And so all right, I think I can get the spiritual works of mercy. Okay. I hope so. Um, so bear wrongs patiently, forgive those who've wronged you, counsel the doubtful, Pray for the living and the dead. Admonish the sinner. Instruct the ignorant. How can I only get six of each one? I've got this. I know I have this. <laughs> I'm even trying to find it on the... I'm trying to cheat, and I still can't find it. So oh, I, I got I it. Knew I, these got ones. It. Okay. I knew these ones. I knew these ones. All right. <laughs> so we've got for spiritual, admonish the sinners. Um, instruct the ignorant. Uh, counsel the doubtful. Did you say that yeah, one? Got that comfort one. the sorrowful. Oh, I didn't say comfort the sorrowful. That's go. an obvious one, too. There Come you on. Go. Okay. Bear wrongs patiently, forgive all injuries, and pray for the living and the dead. And the, the works of mercy, corporal works of mercy, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, visit the imprisoned, shelter the homeless. Did we say that? Visit the sick I and bury so. the dead. Oh, that one. That was I see. two. We put I them said together. Visit the yeah. sick and in prison. Okay, yeah. I did okay. better than I thought I you did. You did great. You did great. <laughs> awesome. We need to take a break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about mind and body connections with Cecilia Wagel. We're back on One Body Stewarding God's Creation. One body. Mind and Body Connections. With Cecilia Wagel. Kelly Roper conducts the interview. We're talking about, uh, gosh, soul body connection. Soul body connection. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for that. And let's just go ahead and continue on. Well, I want to make a quick note here about sometimes the work of the church and also a reaction against um, some extremes of the past. You know, there's there's a feeling, which I think was true in some cases, that there was missionary work or, or charitable work in the church in the past, which focused on the soul to the detriment of the body, which was only about evangelization and not about the needs of, of people's physical needs. But I do think there's another, that sometimes we take the other extreme now, right? I hear the corporal works of mercy emphasized much more often than I hear the spiritual works of mercy, right? And... In our parishes and in our charitable institutions, they're both necessary to serve the whole person. Mm. It's, they're both needed or we're really not 
giving people the dignity they deserve. And of course, there's the, the worry that we will be pushy or manipulative with our faith, and that is something we have to be careful about in terms of, in terms of our charity, right? We don't want to do that. But we do want to acknowledge that people have souls. That, And I would say even, well, we're supposed to get to this later, but we'll bring it up now, that even in our, you know, like welfare programs and other charities, we are very concerned about making sure people are fed and clothed and housed. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I have no problem with that. I think that's a good thing that as Christians, we should make sure happens. But... Nobody's making sure that the poor are having opportunities to experience beauty. Nobody's making sure that they're receiving truth. Nobody's feeding their souls. Where uh, This has become a touch point since the pandemic hit. And we all know this, right? That um, the relationships that feed our souls, right, both with God and with others, are, are important for who we are. That's important for our full self as a body soul. And so finding in the pandemic, that was, I felt like that was really the fight that some people lined up on the side of the body and some people lined up on the side of the soul mm. and they all threw rocks at each other. And, and of course the reality is that it's a hard line to walk to respect the dignity of the person who is body and soul, mm. to respect that, you know, trying to save bodies and bodily integrity, that's important. And that's big, you know. But feeding souls is also important and big. And allowing people to have relationships and giving them truth, which we know the media right now, nobody trusts (laughs) that in the truth, right? Nobody trusts that that's out there. And so we we have a situation where I think a lot of people are angry and a lot of people are upset. And they know something's wrong, but they don't actually know how to say what's wrong. They don't know what the wrongness is. They know they've been wronged. It's a lot of moral, you know, uh, it's a word. I don't know, I forget the word I'm about to say. <laughs> um, they've been wronged in their morality, and their, right? But they don't know why, because they don't understand this oneness. They don't understand that their souls haven't been fed. And it's tempting to then lash out and fight right mm-hmm. but again not that there's never a place for fighting right yeah but um, there are things we can do to feed our own souls which are primarily through service to others and through reaching out and building relationships with others right and with God I mean prayer mm. we talked about the Eucharist right mm. being the way it you know it it's not the only way right if we if we had a really great relationship with God, receiving the Eucharist every day like some of the saints did, that was enough for them. But it may not be what we're all called to. Mm-hmm. Right? Most mm-hmm. of us are called to relationships with other human beings yeah. down here on earth. And so, like, so recognizing that need, I think that's part of where the big push for self-care, that's a word we hear a lot, mm-hmm. um, which some people like the word, some people don't. But I think what's happening is people realize that something's wrong. Mm -hmm. They realize that they're not being fed, that their souls are not being allowed to flourish. And they look around and their body's flourishing and they have a good job and they have money, right? But they feel like they're a robot, Mm -hmm. perhaps. They've been treated maybe like they're a robot. 
right? Like they like they have no goodness in them other than their um, what they can make or do, mm-hmm. right? And it's, there we go. Moral injury. That was the word I was looking mm-hmm. for. I'm sorry. I'm pregnant, everyone. I can't yeah. think of words all the time. <laughs> I have placental steel. Um, <laughs> so they have this moral injury, and they're trying to fill that. Unfortunately, they don't even know why they feel that, so many of them. And so they're often turning to still physical things like long, relaxing baths and taking a walk in the woods, which are not bad. They're good things. Um, or healthy diets, all natural diets, organic diets, you know, not necessarily bad. Right? They're trying to fix it with these things or with the wrong kinds of spiritual things. You know, they... Um, you know, they're trying to, or, or maybe a lesser kind, maybe wrong kind is the wrong word. You know, they, they know that it um, gives them energy to listen to good music maybe, right? And that's a good, that's often an experience of beauty that can feed our soul. But that's a little food, right? I mean, that's not the big food of relationship, right? And, and so the self-care movement, I think, really grows out of this misunderstanding of the relationship between body and soul. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the third, um, we'll call it a heresy. So the third way that people can think about themselves wrongly, right? Think about our, our soul and our body's connection wrong is to recognize there's a soul and recognize there's a body, but not recognize how they interact. To think of them as kind of two different things, like like I'm like a... I don't know, a bi person, a soul body by each other kind of. But of course, they're intimately linked. Aquinas says that our soul is the form of our body and that it's, it's what gives the body um, its purpose, right? But the body without the soul is, well, is like a zombie. I mean, that's scary and weird because that's not right. And the soul without the body is a little scary too, like a ghost. Right? I mean, they need to be together to be a human. But our, our institutions, our entire world was that we experience today is built, has been built on this modernism. You know, Descartes was a philosopher who was one of the early modern philosophers, and modernism in general followed him with this separation of body and soul. And so for the last more than a century, it's been kind of an underlying thought an underlying assumption for most um, most of society, most of Western society. Uh, and so even when we're trying to fight, like we're trying to say, no, I'm a body and a soul, it's, again, easy to fall into treating them like they're two different things. And we see this in healthcare, where there is psychology to treat the mind, and there is, um, you know, uh, doctors, regular health care or health systems to treat the body, and they don't really interact much, even though study after study shows that how you think affects how you heal, and how you heal affects how you think. And neither of them are taking into account in many cases, except for some really good doctors and psychologists, but in many cases as a is a body, they're not taking into account other powers of the soul, you know, spiritual needs in terms of of needs of God and relationship and um, even emotional needs, right, that are real powers of our soul, really ourselves, and they interact. It, you know, just treating 
a disease of the body often is not enough to really heal someone. Mm. And it's not an experience that, um, that makes them feel dignified, like they have dignity. And I think that's why um, uh, one of the reasons we see a rise right now in sort of the all natural movement or alternative medicines, homeopathy, because people are looking for something different, but again, they're often looking in the wrong places. Not, not saying all those things are inherently wrong, but I'm saying they're looking at often other physical ways. You know, I don't feel good. The doctors couldn't help me, but this essential oil physical thing can. Um, and they're, they're not seeing that what they're really lacking isn't just their body. Or they're going to counseling, which is great, or they're recognizing anxiety or depression or some sort of mental illness in their life. And, they're, and that's good to go to counseling. It's good to be medicated for that. You know, that's, again, mind and body. But also the recognition that there is soul, that these interact, that you can't have one without the other, that it's not, nothing is ever just a chemical reaction in your brain and nothing is ever just you had a bad day you know like your body affects your mind your body affects your soul your soul affects your body they are all intertwined and you can't get away from that you know when I was teaching uh, a common question students and sometimes unfortunately parents would ask was when am I ever going to need to know this Mm -hmm. When am I ever going to need to know this? And what they meant is, when am I going to use this to make money, right? Or, or, or when am I going to, um, when am I going to use this practically, physically, really, like in the world? And the answer, I mean, there's many answers. They may be, a, I mean, there's oftentimes you will use these things practically. But the other answer is, it helps your soul flourish to learn more. The more we know, the more we're like God. To know that you can know, to practice learning, to practice knowing, right? To, to be a human being and to recognize that the gift of study and leisure is a way of feeding our soul, is a yeah. gift, yeah. right? And so how are we going to use this is, is a question that ignores our souls, yeah. Right. And ignores the interaction between them, that when we do use this, these, this information or what we've learned well to in the physical world to create beautiful things or to create good things, we're also feeding our soul because the good things we do with our body also feed our soul. I think I want to end with that. I hope this makes people reflect, mm -hmm. because, again, I find myself I find myself all the time realizing that I'm not thinking about myself correctly that I'm not thinking about the way that my soul and my body affect each other and that they're not separate entities. And I know that other people are too, and we're not even aware of it. It's not talked about. And I get that it's a little bit heady. <laughs> it's a little bit heady. People feel like this is very difficult to talk about. But if we're not thinking about humans correctly, if we don't understand what it means to be human, then it's hard to serve each other. It's hard to serve ourselves. You know, we, we talk about needing fed before you can go out and help others. Well, how can you be fed if you don't know how to feed yourself, right? And it's not just, it is the body, it is rest and exercise. Those things are important. I will say in case someone out there is, is saying, but what a, there is a hierarchy, right? I mean, we are in a, a temporal body right now, right? 
and our soul is immortal. And the needs of the body must give way to the needs of the soul. Yeah. Right. For us. That, that is true. There is a hierarchy, right? The soul's greater. But both us, right? And so even doing that feeds the soul, right? Those, and, and, you know, yes, uh, sacrifices of the body must be endured, sometimes and and that doesn't make the body less good or less you it's a sacrifice because your body's good mm. because it's you right i mean it's it is a lack in yourself when your body isn't and we all experience this when your body isn't doing what you think it should it's not as its prime it's not expressing your soul the way you want it to mm-hmm. i mean we all have that to greater and lesser extents right um, and sometimes it even seems to betray you, right? The mm-hmm. body seems a betrayal. But it can't really be a betrayal because it's yourself. Mm. It's yourself, and it needs to be embraced even in that weakness because you are weak. And that's about humility before God, Yeah. right? And so, yes, they're recognizing that we are weak, we are bodies, we are souls. We can't deny the one or focus on the one without the other, and that of course it's a really hard balancing act because that's Catholicism. That's the virtuous life, the, the right. mean, the Christianity, finding that balance and messing up and getting it wrong and trying again to really live out who we are in the best way. Yeah, yeah, oh, so beautiful. Thanks for tuning in to One Body Stewarding God's Creation. If you own a service or business, or if you're an individual who would just like to underwrite this One Body show, please know your spot can run three times during this show, which runs five times a week. Interested? Call 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear his voice, Pardon not your hearts. Nobody.